Nick. Hmm? What are you doing? Uh, square breathing. Square breathing. Square breathing. It's a, it's a technique I heard the Navy SEALs do. Sort of calm down a little. Keep their heads straight. You breathe in four seconds. Hold four. Out four. Hold four. Etc. Okay, like a, like a square. Like a square. Yeah, like a square. Now, why are we talking about square breathing? Uh... So usually, Hannah, when I start an episode, I find some like relative news clips and I put some bomba music underneath it. And then we say, I'm Nick Capodice, I'm Hannah McCarthy. But the sheer fire hose amount of sound bites for this one. This Burberry scarf. Botox treatment. Fashion at Remaze and Ferragamo. And what's in those sound bites? It's pretty bonkers. Organized a fundraiser for his dying service dog back in 2016, only to pocket the money himself. I actually went to school on a, on a volleyball scholarship. Like, kind of all over the place? Like, maybe it's performance art level bonkers? When asked if the baby was his, George Santos responded, not yet. And the next time he tried to accost me with a child in my hand, I want him out of here. Honky tonk, bazonker zonk, Hannah. What could we do to get you to go away? Stop inviting me to your gigs. Okay, we're cool. We're going to keep it about systems and procedures because that's what we do on this show. You are listening to Civics 101. I'm Nick Capodice. I'm Hannah McCarthy. And today we are talking about expulsion from Congress. We're also going to talk about the Ethics Committee, censure, and how a congressional seat is filled when somebody is expelled. And Nick, I imagine the reason we are doing this episode right now is because we have just had an expulsion. And to fill anyone in who may have missed it, on December 1st, 2023, the House voted 311 to 114 to expel Congressman George Santos for... um, Wait, did the House say which of the charges against him merited expulsion? It was kind of like an amalgamation of all of the charges. House Resolution 878, which everybody out there should read, by the way, just look up HR 878 on Congress.gov. It lists several pages of charges, including campaign finance violations, identity theft, sexual harassment, and Santos enriching himself through a fraudulent contribution scheme. I might have missed a few. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So to start, like, how often does an expulsion happen? Um, long story short, not that often. And there's a couple of reasons why. This is Carlos Elgara, professor of political science at Claremont Graduate University and formerly in the employ of the U.S. Senate. Oh, wow. So he worked on Capitol Hill. He did. He worked in the office of Senator Jeff Merkley. He has been inside the machines we talk about every day from afar. Um, But yes, Carlos is right. Expulsion from Congress is as rare as... To use a favorite expression of my father, hen's teeth and horse's toes. Most cases of expulsion, if you look at the historical record, occurred during the Civil War, right, in both chambers. Um, So we've had members of Congress expelled during the Civil War under a clause called disloyalty to the Union. And that's where the bulk of the cases come from. How many House representatives were expelled during the Civil War? Three. Wow. And after that? There have been two expulsions during the post-war period. The first is James Traficant. Um, in 2002, he was expelled due to, um, I believe it was some sort of uh, bribery scandal. Uh, and then there was another congressman, uh, Michael Myers, from Pennsylvania. He was also expelled. He was part of the Abscam scandal. 
And so those are the two most recent members um, since the Civil War, actually, the House of Representatives. Wow. So George Santos is the sixth in U.S. history. Yep. Lucky number six. How about the Senate? Is it more or less common? The Senate's a little bit different, right? The Senate, whether it's because of norms or whether it's because of sort of the nature of the upper chamber, we've noticed that senators generally resign, right? You know, I don't know if it's because... Um, as a senator, you're in the spotlight more and it's harder to commit crimes while you're in the office. Senate races are statewide. They're much more high profile. Um, so we have strong selection effects here, right? Um, but, you know, John Ensign, so this was a Nevada Republican senator. He ends up using um, official funds. It was payments to a, to a mistress um, that was not disclosed on campaign finance, right? Obviously very illegal, something you shouldn't do. When the expulsion proceedings were beginning in 2011, he resigns, right? He puts out a statement. He says he doesn't want to put his family through this, and he leaves the chamber. So on the Senate side, we see a lot less drama. There was one expulsion from the Senate back in 1797. Uh, William Blount, who was charged with treason for inciting the Creek and Cherokee nations to invade Spain's Florida territory, a topic for another day. But the next ones after that... We got a wash of 14 senators being expelled during the Civil War, but literally none after that whatsoever. Like Carlos said, they usually resigned or they were exonerated for their crimes. And that's why in this episode, I'm pretty much focusing on house expulsion. All right. So it's a big deal. I get how rare this is. But I want to know about the process. Are expulsions in the Constitution? Uh, they are indeed. Article 1, Section 5, Clause 2, quote, Each house may determine the rules of its proceedings, punish its members for disorderly behavior, and, with the concurrence of two-thirds, expel a member. Oh, it takes a two-thirds majority. Yeah, it does. But Congress can, in certain circumstances, choose to not allow an elected representative or senator to be a member of Congress before the term even starts. The Constitution gives both chambers of Congress the authority and the power to decide its own membership. So even before getting to expulsion, um, Congress can decide whether or not to seat a member elect. That requires a simple majority vote. So, you know, there have been course, there have been some instances in history um, where members elect have actually committed crimes and they have not been seated. Right. And so that takes it's similar to expulsion that takes a majority. Just a simple majority. And Congress can say, yeah, you were elected, but we're not letting you in. Yeah. And it may seem that this power could be ruthlessly abused by the majority party, just, you know, refusing to seat anyone from the other party. But it is exceptionally rare. And the Supreme Court ruled in Powell v. McCormick in 1969 that Congress must seat someone if they were elected unless they violate the necessary qualifications of being a member of Congress in Article 1. So this has only happened a handful of times. So I'm in Congress. I've done some bad things. <laughs> how does this ball get rolling? Well, I will tell you how, and it involves one of the least desirable committee appointments you can get right after this break. But before the break, you know what Nick and I did after making hundreds of episodes about the government? What do we do? We wrote a dang book about it. We did. It's called A User's Guide to Democracy, How America Works. It's illustrated by the brilliant and hilarious Tom Toro, and it crams as much approachable civics content as possible into one handy vessel. I love it. You're going to love it. Check it out. 
Hey there, everyone. Hey, folks. The whole Civics 101 team is here in D.C. for a week. That's why you hear cars and stuff whizzing by. Uh, we are in the district to talk to the people that we talk about on a daily basis. And a lot of those people work in the executive branch. That is the largest employer in the world. And a lot of those people work in the civil service, where, after the assassination of James Garfield, it's a long story, they take an exam to make sure that they are the right person for their job. But if you run a business, and you're not the federal government, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all, but to match instead. With Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. 23 hires are made on Indeed every minute, and their matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use it, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com civics. Just go to Indeed.com slash civics right now to support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash civics. Terms and conditions apply. You need to hire. You need Indeed. We're back. We're talking expulsion from Congress. And Nick, you are about to get to the process. Absolutely. Here is Carlos Algara. Generally how it goes is a member is confronted with an ethics complaint. Um, And that gets referred just like any resolution, just like any uh, piece of legislation that gets referred to a committee, right? Um, And so that gets referred to uh, the ethics committee, who then does an investigation. The ethics committee. Now, this committee is different from all the others, Hannah. Unlike the rest of the committees, which have party members proportional to their majority in the House, there are equal numbers of Democrats and Republicans on the ethics committee. So it is a truly bipartisan committee. As bipartisan as it can get in Washington, D.C. Ten members, five Democrats, five Republicans, and their job is to conduct investigations into any alleged violations by members of the House or their staff. Now, have we always had a House committee on ethics? Uh, No, there were other committees that did similar work, but the modern iteration is relatively new. What happens is in 2008... Uh, you know, Congress creates the Office of Congressional Ethics, right? So this is an outgrowth of the scandals that we saw in 2005 and 2006, right? The Tom DeLay scandals, um, the Jack Abramoff scandal, which takes down a couple of members of Congress, the Mark Foley scandal, right? So those Congresses were very much scandal ridden. Um, and so Congress under a Democratic majority uh, makes this office, right, which is nonpartisan, which is independent in which reviews the allegations of misconduct. And so these are nonpartisan committee staff members that are actually doing the work of investigating these allegations. You know, and I think uh, to their credit, um, the ethics committee on both sides, they they yield to these nonpartisan staff. So if you look at the ethics, uh, the final ethics report around Congressman Santos, clearly there was no attempt by the majority um, to shield or to water down any of the findings. I remember in your episode on committees, you intimated that being on the ethics committee is, how do I put this, not the most coveted position. I think that's a fine way to put it, Hannah. You know, I think that's I think that's the, the correct perception on the Hill, right? It's a very thankless task. You're not creating policy. You're investigating your colleagues when they are accused of doing something wrong. So, you know, this is something that that is not a desirable committee assignment, like, say, the Appropriations Committee or that Ways and Means Committee, where you're actually 
able to influence policy. And, you know, if you're on the majority side, you're able to ram through legislation over the minority. The ethics committee is very different. And you're also doing a lot of delegating to staff. Now, if anyone out there who serves on the ethics committee thinks I'm being unfair and you're happier there than you would be on the appropriations committee, please email me and I will make a correction. All right. So the committee investigates, the staff gathers evidence. What happens when the investigation is done? Well, in this most recent instance, Hannah, things went a little differently than normal. Congressman Santos, there were efforts to expel him from Congress prior to the grant vote, right? And his argument was that they needed to wait for the ethics committee to, you know, to complete their investigation. And generally speaking, what happens is the ethics committee um, will investigate and will put out a report. And generally speaking, they make a recommendation. Um, Sometimes they recommend uh, to do nothing. Sometimes they recommend expulsion, which is very rare. Uh, most of the time, you know, they they sort of put out a report that says, um, you know, we found wrongdoing, um, but, you know, there's that doesn't rise to the level of an expulsion or even a censure. And so in this case, it was really interesting because the committee essentially found that these allegations of misusage of campaign funds was credible against Congressman Santos, but didn't make a recommendation. Right. There, there was no recommendation to expel. Wait, so they believed these allegations against George Santos were credible, an ethics violation, but they didn't do the last step where they say, therefore, he should be expelled? Exactly. So how did he get expelled? What happens was, in a a point of personal privilege, some Republican co-partisans from New York forced the issue onto the floor um, through a procedural maneuver, and they were able to, uh, you know, to, to get the votes ultimately to expel Congressman Santos. There are some procedural tricks that are able to be used in in cases like this. Um, generally, the way that it works is, uh, you know, there there's a something called a point of personal privilege where a member can can try to sort of force a vote, uh, you know, just very simply force a vote on on a resolution on the floor. A point of personal privilege. It's a way a member of the House can get certain things to the floor for a vote against the wishes of the party in the majority. And that's really hard to do. Uh, As we have mentioned in other episodes, if the Speaker of the House doesn't want a bill to pass, they can just let it die in committee, never bring it to the floor. But since this wasn't a bill, this wasn't a piece of legislation that changes the tax on wheat or whatever, the Republican chairman of the Ethics Committee, Congressman Michael Guest, was able to get it to the floor for a vote, and there you have it. They did have the votes to expel Congressman Santos, even though the Speaker of the House and almost every other member of leadership voted against his expulsion. On this vote, the yeas are 311, the nays are 114 with two recorded as present. Two-thirds voting in the affirmative, the resolution is adopted, and a motion to reconsider is laid upon the table. Under Clause 5D of Rule 20, the chair announces to the House that in light of the expulsion of the gentleman from New York, Mr. Santos, the whole number of the House is now 434. Real quick, earlier Carlos mentioned potential censure of George Santos. What is the difference between censure and expulsion? Censure is like a letter from the teacher in your backpack. Um, censure is pretty much, uh, you could think about it as, I don't know, people in the, in, in the pundit world, I think, call it a slap on the wrist. 
you know, it's essentially a condemnation of the uh, members' actions. You know, that takes a simple uh, majority vote. You know, it's essentially just letting the member know that as a chamber, we do not agree with what you did, right? So Congressman Bowman, for example, um, just got censured by the House. Breaking news, the House of Representatives just voted to censure New York Democrat Jamal Bowman. The vote stemming from this incident you see here, where Bowman pulls a fire alarm while the chamber was in session discussing a bill to avoid a shutdown deadline. Congressman Adam Schiff um, got censured for, uh, I, I believe, his role um, chairing the Intelligence Committee in the last Congress, right? Laid on the table. House will be in order. And you probably heard it there in the background. You heard the Democratic lawmakers chanting the word shame. Oh, so these censures are much more common. Um, they've gotten very much partisan, right? So generally, they used to be these motions where, you know, you, you would do something and, um, you know, maybe a member's conduct doesn't rise to the level of, of expulsion, um, but you want to signal your disapproval, um, you, would, you would censure that member. So, you know, the, it's definitely a mechanism um, where the Congress can let itself be known. And unlike an expulsion, there's really no way behind it, if that makes sense. And it's not just members of Congress. Twelve sitting presidents have been censured. Uh, and to my knowledge, those censures really had no tangible effect. All right. So Santos has been expelled. There's now an empty seat in the House. How and when will that seat get filled? It looks like Governor Hochul from New York has called a special election, uh, which is going to be early um, in the new year. And the part, unlike uh, the general uh, way that it works in New York, where they have partisan primaries, um, here the party leaders are going to choose the candidates. And so the Democrats have, um, they're going to nominate um, Congressman Tom Suozzi, who was a congressman before Congressman Santos. He retired in 2022, which allowed Congressman Santos to flip his seat. He actually defeated George Santos in 2020, and he ran for governor in 2022 and lost the primary. So um, they are nominating him, and I believe the Republicans in the district have decided to nominate a first-time candidate. Now, when there are vacancies in the Senate, the governor of the state can usually just appoint a new sitting senator until the next general election. But if we're talking the House, we're talking the people's chamber, those people have got to vote. And that vote is scheduled for February 13th, 2024. And George Santos, he he can't run in that election, can he? Oh, oh, oh he most certainly can, Hannah. Uh, interestingly, the most recent member of Congress that was expelled, James Trafkant, he ran for the same seat while he was in a federal penitentiary. I mean, he did not win, no, but he got 15% of the vote. So, yeah, I mean, you know, there's nothing precluding them from running. Uh, obviously, they're not going to be successful. Um, but, you know, in the, in the event that they are, there are other mechanisms in place to keep them from entering Congress. Uh, so Congressman Santos can run in 2024, and he might even, well, obviously he's not going to win, but, um, you know, if he were to win, um, there are mechanisms to keep him out of Congress. Mechanisms like the one Carlos mentioned in the beginning, like Congress refusing to seat someone. Exactly. But I will add, when Santos was asked if he'd run again, he said, quote, I'm not ruling it out, end quote. <laughs> 
What is it? I just thought of like the George Santos version of square breathing, you know, like in two years, wait two years, out 10, back in again, who knows? It's very calming, Hannah. You should try it. Yeah, okay. Well, that is expulsion from Congress. This episode was written and produced by George Santos. I can't make those jokes. Can I make those jokes? Kind of low-hanging fruit. Uh, but yeah, this episode was made by me, Nick Capodice, with you, Hannah McCarthy. Our senior producer is Christina Phillips. Our executive producer is Rebecca Lavoy. Music in this episode by Scan Globe, Diala, Lobo Loco, Low Five, The New Fools, Fabian Tell, Dusty Dex, Panda Raps, Necozilla, Bio Unit, Proletur, who just released a great album, by the way, but it is not in the Creative Commons, so I can't use it. Um, good work, though. And the one who is never expelled from my episodes, the great Chris Zabriskie. Civics 101 is a production of NHPR, New Hampshire Public Radio. Expelliarmus! <laughs>